Well, Matthew chapter 12 and chapter 13 are kind of that hinge uh, point in the gospel. Up to this point, up to the Matthew 12, Jesus has been speaking very clearly and plainly to the people. Matter of fact, in, verse tw- in chapter 12, we've spent a good deal of time looking at, at, at this ministry and the confrontation and the, the uh, almost the increase, the escalation in the tensions that mounted as Jesus and his disciples then, and he speaks clearly about, uh, about the importance of not blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. He speaks clearly about the importance of letting the, our words reveal the, the truth of our hearts, of who we are. And then he speaks very clearly as they say to him, just show us a sign. Now, he had, he had healed the sick. He had opened blind eyes. Those that were lame had walked. Those that who, were, who couldn't speak had talked. He had raised the dead. He had calmed the storms. And he had done all this, and they still said, give us a sign. And so Jesus looks at him and said, the sign of Jonah is all you're going to give. You're going to receive. He said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the, of the fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. And, it, and then he speaks of the resurrection. And he said, this is your sign, Israel. You're looking for the one who's to come. And now you don't receive me, but there will be a resurrection. If you're really ready to receive the truth, I'll give you the sign of Jonah. And we, we come now to verse 46. And while he, was, while he talked to the people, his mother and brothers came to, to speak with him. And somebody close to Jesus said, your mom and brothers are outside and they want to talk to you. Verse 48 of chapter 12, but Jesus answered him and said, who is my mother and who is my brothers? And he, he reached his hands and he said, the disciple, he says, my mother and my brothers, for whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. And the same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the seaside and great multitudes were gathered unto them. So much that he goes out into a ship, a little a boat, to speak to the people on shore. Now, Matthew has at least three great discourses, if I can say it that way. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we, we know it as the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus sees the multitudes, goes up to the mountain, and any, any this powerful teachings of Matthew 5, 6, and 7. At the close of Matthew, Matthew 24 and 25 is what's known as the, the Olivet Discourse. And there, at the close of this, of this uh, gospel he's writing, Matthew shares how they, that uh, the Holy Spirit is, is showing him things that will come and are to come and have come uh, right at the, at the end of the age as Christ's return is, is, gets closer and closer in Matthew 24 and 25. And then in Matthew 13, some call this the seaside discourse. Um, and as he, he let's, let's take a look at it. Uh, as he, when he sees the multitude, he gets into a boat, and, he, and verse thir- three says, and he spoke many things to them in parables. Now it's interesting because up until this time, Jesus had not spoken in parables. Someone, a definition I heard one time, it was simple, that's why I remember it probably, is that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. In other words, he, he, he tells them a story. The first one he's going to tell is about a, a farmer sowing seed. He tells them a story, but the story, while they understand that story, there's, there's a, there is a spiritual implication to it that is very, very significant. That's why he tells it. So the first time, but he begins, begins speaking in parables, and that's a change, and we'll see why. Let's look at this. 
This is the parable. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and when he had sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the birds came and, and ate the seed up quickly. Some fell on rocky ground, and uh, there wasn't a lot of topsoil there. The seeds sprung up quickly, but because it didn't have any depth for the roots, uh, when the sun came out, it, it, it was withered and it died. Verse 7. Some fell among thorns, or we call it weeds, and it came up quickly, but the weeds and the thorns choked it out. Verse 8, but other fell on good ground and brought forth an abundance of fruit, some 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold times what was planted. And then Jesus says, if you've got ears to hear what I'm saying to you, you need to listen up. Well, when he says that in a parable, verse, it, it, it obviously, it was a little bit confusing even to his disciples. So his disciples in verse 10 say, why, why are you speaking like this? Why, why are you talking in parables? Now, beginning in verse 18, Jesus is going to explain this, the meaning of this parable that he's just spoken. But it's the verses in between that I want us to take a look at this morning as we get ready to look at the parables. And chapter 13 has several parables that Jesus share that are so important, that, that contain principles that I believe are critical or vital importance to you and me. But it's why he is speaking in parables and his explanation of that, that uh, one man that I really love reading his commentaries, Ray Stedman, who's gone home to be with the Lord, but he was a, he was a um, pastor out on the West, West Coast. And in uh, about verses 11 through 17, Ray Stedman said this, he said, this is undoubtedly one of the most important and revealing paragraphs in all of Scripture. Wow. When I, when, I, when I read that, I thought, and these are the ones that I have so much trouble understanding. I understand the parable. I think I understand because he explains it. But why are you talking in parables? And Ray Stedman says, to understand why he is speaking in parables he, Ray said, contains the key to history. Now, I love, I'm a history buff. Our, our daughter teaches history. Our son claims he knows more history than she does. And Barbie and I just enjoy sitting back and watching them because Barbie and I are living history. You know? <laughs> we, are, we are living history. And they, they're, they're talking about things we've lived through. And we just let them talk. That's all right. But, but that keys to understanding history the principle, there, there's, there's principles here that I believe are significant in the rise and fall in, of nations. And there's principles here that are crucial to us individually, and it has to do, they have to do with the Word of God. So I want you to, to buckle up and strap up with me as we listen to what Jesus is telling his disciples. Why are you talking like this, man? Verse 11, he says to them, because it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to Israel, to those, to those others, it's not given. Now, some translations will have here for the word mystery. Some of your translations are going to have what? The word secret. Secret. In scripture, when you have this word secret or when you have this word mystery, as it pertains to, to spiritual things, it is pertaining to those things which are only God revealed. 
our God, our Holy Spirit, discerned. Now, we live in a day and time when, when we ha- there's all kinds of man knowledge. And I think scripture talks about that as we get closer to the, to the coming of the Lord, that man would be ever learning more and more and more, but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. And the truth is a person who he is. And the significance of that. So as we look at these, the mystery that Jesus is talking about, one, one of the things that's very clear, Colossians, in Colossians, it ta- we, we see this very clearly, first of all, when he says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery, this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. As Paul was writing this to the Christians there in Colossae, the Jewish, the Jewish people had, had, uh, they had lived and tried to keep the laws that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai there. They had tried to be law keepers and they had tried to be good enough to, for, to, to have this relationship. Or they didn't know you could have a relationship, but to be accepted by God. And what they found and what we find is that the law was given not so that we could have a relationship. But the law was given to us so that we would realize we can't have a relationship with the Holy God. No matter how hard we try, we can't be good enough. Because no matter how hard we try, we may keep nine of those suckers. But if we break one of those first of those ten, James says we're guilty of all of them. Now in our day of political correctness, we say that ain't fair. And uh, if you've... Some of us have survived teenagers. Surviving a hurricane is nothing. <laughs> if you've lived through and survived teenagers, God bless them. I love them. All of us used to be one at one time. I just want to know that. Now, our, the younger kids look at it and say, you've got to be kidding me. You'd never the teenager. I wasn't. I had hair. <laughs> Big, long sideburns. I mean, we're there. We're there. But, but if, if we survive this, we, we understand the, this, the significance of what he's saying here, that the Jews did, they were trying to be good enough and they couldn't. And so the scripture in Colossians, Jesus said, this is the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so what, the, what he is saying to them is that in Jesus Christ, we have the relationship with the heavenly father and it's in him is our hope. It's in him. Matter of fact, another verse in Colossians, I think that's Colossians, whatever it is, two and three, Brandon, if you're there. And by the way, welcome home. Craig has really been struggling without you. I'm so glad you're here. I'm just messing. Craig's amazing. He said that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love until all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement, look at this, of the mystery of God and of the Father Jesus Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. We're living in a day where knowledge is, is uh, the mathematics. Uh, well, I've got a grandson back there. He's a mathematics genius. The kid, and he talks about things. I didn't even know there was things there. And the probability, we were talking about, what's the probability of this happening? And Barbie and I, we were driving down the road having this conversation, been very intellectual. And in just in a few minutes, he said, well, that probability is one in somebody, 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 somebody. I looked over at Barbie. She just looked at me and shrugged her shoulders. But our, our mathematical uh, ability, engineering, engineering, amazing, technology. Why, you can do more with a cell phone today than you could have done with one of the mainframe computers when I was in school. You know, technology, mathematics, man's learning is exploding. 
It's, 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 it's increasing. But we will never understand the mysteries of God by all our engineering, by all our technology, by all our mathematics. It is God revealed to man. The mysteries of life are revealed by God. And Jesus is showing us that. He's telling his disciples unto you to know these mysteries. He says, for, and verse 12 is an interesting verse. And verse 12, I believe, believe is the key verse for us understanding this morning what he's explaining. They say, why are you talking like this, man? And he says, well, it's, it's given to you to understand these things that God's fixing to reveal. He says, for whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he don't have. Now, I remember reading this thing, and I read this and say, all right, I know it's true. You say it, but I have no idea what you just said. Sometimes, guys, I know, I have never been this way, but sometimes it's like talking to a woman. Okay? <laughs> I have learned. I know I, know I could be stoned. Listen, I have learned a lot of times to just nod. And she'll say, did you understand? I said, and she said, well, let me explain it again. And it's kind of like my, my mother used to be, and, and I love her to death. Mom's awesome. But she would say, do you remember, you remember Frances Jones? No, Mom, I don't know her. Oh, you do? You remember Ms. Frances? She was so-and-so. Mom, I really don't know her. And she'd say, oh, you do? And by that time, we said, oh, yeah, I remember her. <laughs> and we go on with the story then, okay? Then we could go on with the story. All right. But what he's saying here, and I, and I think this is so, so important, is this. It's, it's these mysteries of the kingdom will never be discovered by man, but God will reveal them. And the truths are so, the truths apply in every realm of life. I was thinking of Gary, I sat over here and Gary and I were talking, he's, he's, his foot and his knee and some of you, I'm gimpy and somebody else. The, the rules will apply to, here to this. If, if you just want to take your arm, if you want to, if you want to understand a paralyzed arm, if you, you know, if you'll take your arm and you just strap it to your body and you leave it there for about a few months and then take it off, what happens? You can't use that sucker. I mean, you know, I, I got off, I got, had getting it over this knee thing and uh, I tried to climb up on just a little step ladder yesterday. Oh, I couldn't, I was shaky, couldn't do that. And Barbara said, get down, get down. And I've learned to listen. I understood that. Get down. That's pretty simple. Get off of that. Yeah, what happens? You begin to lose that muscle immediately, right? What do they call that? There's a word for that. Atrophy. It does that. It atrophies. It just wastes away. <laughs> there's, no, there's, it, there's nothing there. You lose it. You lose it. And, and to do that, and those of you that's had shoulder surgery, one of the embarrassing things, right? Most embarrassing things. I'd had shoulder surgery, and this was back when I was young and strong. Oh, man, like a Hercules. And um, <laughs> Barbie's wondering who that man was. But I remember... I remember going to therapy, and, uh, and they take this sling off, and, they, and, and uh, your hand goes down the table, and they say, now, just want you to stretch your hand out as far as you can on that table. No problem. Well, stretch it out. And I'm, my brain is telling my hand, stretch out there, big boy, and my hand is just laying there. And I remember reaching and getting and, and, and going, wow, what happens? We lose, it's an old saying, it's true, either use it or lose it, Right? especially when it comes to, to, to muscular. But there's a principle here that Jesus is saying that not only is true in the physical realm, but it's true in the spiritual realm 
when it comes to the word of God. And, he, he, and that's what he's talking about here is this, is this basic principle. For whosoever has to him shall be given and have more abundance. But whosoever don't have from him will be taken away. Look at the way Luke explains this in Luke chapter 8 verse 18. It's really interesting. Similar, same, same parallel. He says, take heed therefore how you hear. For whosoever has to him be given, and whosoever don't have from him, look at this, shall be taken away even that which he seemeth, or he thought he had. Wow. It's like those, somebody said that we walk in the light of God's word, and if we fail to walk in the light of God's word, that light will become darkness. Great darkness. God's truth, now listen to me, this, if I could say one sentence was a message, and some of you say, say it, brother, and let's adjourn, I, you know, but if I could say, if I could say one sentence that was summing up the truth of what God is saying here is this, God's word must be acted upon or it's lost, it's lost. God is constantly confronting man with truth about everything, with about creation, with about his glory, with about how things are to function, about government, about law. And if he doesn't respond to that truth, if he rejects that truth or fails to act upon that truth, he loses that truth. We see that so clearly. I, I see it, speaking of history, in the rise and fall of nations. And I, I kind of I enumerated some more of those this, this morning, Great Britain, I, I, I mentioned Great Britain, I mentioned Russia, uh, other countries, and some of you that's traveled in countries where once, of, once upon a time was a tremendous presence of, of, of God's word and preaching and anointing. And today, many of those churches that were built to worship today are tourist attractions and they're mausoleum and museums to what used to be. Truth must be acted upon or it's lost. If you don't obey and act upon the truth, that's what verse 12 is saying. If you don't obey and act upon that, then that truth can be taken away from you. And indeed, that's where he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. And he was saying, he's going to say to them, I'm, all, I'm beginning to speak to you now in parables, but they won't understand. Because they knew and they refused they knew and they rejected. They knew and they did nothing. Let me just ask you this morning, how critical important it is to you when God and the Holy Spirit tell you something or speak to you. It may be through his word. It may be through a sermon or a message or something you, you hear or see, but you know it's God. How critical is it that we respond as if it were from God? It's critical rather than just writing it down. And, and I've been guilty of this. Be sitting and listen to someone teach or preach and thought, man, God, I've never seen that before. And write it down. So I won't forget it. That's good. So I won't forget it. And then I leave it there. And it's almost like hearing the truth and God speaking. And you want to go home and you want to put it up on the wall. And you say, man, this morning I heard that truth. Look it out there. There it is. I heard it. No, God's word is, it's okay if that serves as a constant reminder to you to obey it. But just to say, there it is. No, 
because then we become accountable and responsible to the truth we've heard. And that's what he's saying here about these people. Notice what he says. He says, therefore I speak to them in parables because they seeing see not. Hearing they hear not. Neither do they understand. And here Jesus is, is quoting Isaiah 725 years earlier. Isaiah had, had said these very things, had prophesied these very things. And Jesus is quoting him. Now, what does he mean? The fact that Jesus was now speaking to, to Israel and to the people in parables was a, was a clear indication that now the truth that they had rejected now is being, is being taken away and they're, and they're not understand. Jesus spoke plainly to him and they knew it was him. John chapter seven, early on in his ministry, they knew it was him because they said, never has man spoke like this before. John 7, 46. He spoke with authority. He spoke with power. He spoke with clarity. And they knew it was different. They saw what he could do. They saw, they understood. They knew Jesus could heal their, their sicknesses. They saw him do it. They knew Jesus could meet the needs. They saw him do it. They knew he could speak peace. They saw him do it. But instead of responding to that, they rejected that. Verse 15, he says, for this people's heart is waxed hard and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes, they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I would heal them. If key to this verse 15 is this phrase there, they closed their eyes. It wasn't that God didn't want them to understand. God wanted them to understand. God wants every man, every boy, and every girl to understand that he loves them and that he loves them enough that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross from them, for, for them. And no matter how gross and how bad our sins is that his grace is sufficient to cover that. No matter how damaged and how worn out and how torn we are is that he comes into that devastation and he makes something beautiful for his glory. For his glory. But what the prophet is saying here and what Jesus was reminding them of is they heard and stopped their ears. They saw and failed to believe. They did that and their hearts became hard. They preferred their own weaknesses, their own folly, rather than being healed because they knew to come to Jesus would be to confess or acknowledge their sin and their need of him. And their pride kept them from humbling themselves and they, the truth that they had been revealed to them and confronted to them, they rejected and indeed their eyes became blind and their hearts hard. Now, in contrast, verse 16, Jesus says to the, to the disciples, but you're blessed, for you see, in your ears you hear. I'm convinced that when Jesus called these dudes from their, from their, what are their vocations, that one of, the, one of the criteria he looked upon, you know, here were, here were, they were fishermen, they were tax collectors, they were common people just like you and I are. They weren't called because of their, of their, you know, their outstanding traits. It's almost like 1 Corinthians where God chooses the simple common things of this world to just blow the minds of the wise. Now, that's a jury helping translation but, translation, but you read in 1 Corinthians 1. is because he wants to be glorified. He will get the glory. 
God is a jealous God. He won't share his glory with man and he won't share his glory with any other gods because he's God. That's why we, Jeff said this morning, he's good all the time, not because of what he does, but because of who he is. Who he is. And so he, he, he says to them, now he said, when he sees these disciples and here is, uh, here's John and uh, Peter, James and John and they're fishermen and uh, they're fishing, they're cleaning their nets up and getting ready to go out the next night. They're commercial fishermen, how they make their living. And Jesus goes by and says, hey man, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Scripture says they leave their nets, they leave their boats and they leave their business and they go follow him. He goes by and he sees Matthew sitting, taking uh, at, at uh, seat of customs, taking taxes. Now, this was, a, this was a cush job. It was a job that could lead to a lot of wealth. It was a job that was uh, very hard to come by. And Matthew's mother and others maybe had, had pulled strings to get him there. And here he is. And Jesus goes by and he looks at Matthew and he says, hey, come and follow me. And Matthew gets up and leaves that job. And we look at this and say, well, well that, that was disciples because they didn't have, have much. I mean, they didn't have what we have. He, I can't leave what I've got. They didn't have what we've got, the stuff we've got. Hey, life was life. And I'm convinced that one of the reasons, and that we see it here, is that Jesus said, come and follow me. I'm going to show, I'm gonna show you. I'm going to make you fishers, man. Is because he saw in them a willingness to act upon truth. And so if they're willing to act on truth, they're going to see more truth. If we're willing to believe Christ, believe God, and trust God, he's going to show us more truth. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Then I'm, we're kind of getting ready to land here, verse 17. He says, for verily, Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to tell you, there's been many prophets and righteous men that want to see the things which you see, and they've not seen them. And to hear the things which you hear, and not heard them, but you get to hear them and see them. What was he talking about? I'm convinced at this point, Jesus is thinking about Isaiah. He's thinking about Jeremiah. He's thinking about Daniel, Zechariah, David, Moses, these great men, Elijah of the Old Testament, that the Holy Spirit of God had spoke to, and they had pinned down the, pinned down the words that God spoke to them. And, all, and many of them, they didn't fully understand. They, the writers of, of, can you imagine the writer of Psalm when he's talking about this suffering servant that's going to come and be abused and die? And he's thinking, man. What that be? Can you imagine Isaiah saying, as he's writing down about this, 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 the one that would come, and he thinks, man, I would love to see him. Who is that? What is that? Well, it was a person, Jesus Christ. That's what the Old Testament is pointing to the Messiah that was to come. And Jesus said, they long, these were great men and women of God, and they longed to see this, but they not in their time. But now you are living. And Jesus says, you see what I've done. You hear what I speak. You get to, you're experiencing this, and that's me. It's me. And you see that. And they longed to see that, but they didn't. But you do. And then he begins to explain to them the parable. Now, I'm going to wait. We're going to pick up on the parables. Lord, Lord willing, next Sunday, we have a Gideon speaker. And then the Sunday after that, Lord willing, we're going to be back here in verse 13, or chapter 13. Uh, let's pick up verse 18. And, and as he explains this first parable, and we're going to look at the other parables. But the principle, key principle, this morning in verse 12. So critical to act upon the truth of God's word that he showed us. You're, you say, what truth? Well, let me add this morning. If you're here and you believe and you know that God, you believe that Jesus was God's son, you believe that. And you do believe that Jesus lived a sinless life. Understand that. You believe that. There's no question of that. 
but you've never asked him to come into your heart as your Lord and Savior, that's dangerous ground. And my question would be to those of us who only the Holy Spirit, I believe, can reveal that to us, that we're lost and in need of a Savior. And, and listen, and my question is, doggone, don't put it off. Why are you waiting? What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants, you, he wants to be able to come alongside you, live in your heart, and be that close, that close with you. That's truth. That's truth. And then this morning, really a word, and this is, what's, this is where the Lord's really, these verses have been turning around in, 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 in my life the last several days. Is the truth, Jerry, when you read my word, do you receive it as me speaking directly to you? And are you ready to act upon that and not just say, wow, that's a super truth. I'm going to nail that up on my wall. No. It's so important. And it's so important when he, when he speaks to us that we respond. And sometimes he confronts us. You ever been confronted with the Holy Spirit of God? I have, yeah. If you're a Christian and you've been disobedient, begin to walk in sin, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit, God will confront you. He'll try to get your attention. He'll try to say, whoop, 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 going the wrong way there, Helton. Stop. Stop what you're doing. And let me just tell you, and you know this, if, if you've been there, why do we keep on and do that and bring heartache and, and suffering to, not only to ourselves, but sometimes to those around us? Pride, stubbornness. Why do we do that? Man, it don't take many times till we learn. Learn. David in Psalm said, I was afflicted. And it was a good thing for me that I was afflicted because now I hear your voice and I respond. I guess I better stop. Let me pray with you. Father, you love us. You love us so much that you, you don't want to hide your truth from us, but you want to reveal it to us. And that truth starts in the person of your son, Jesus Christ, who said he was the way, the truth, and life. Lord, it's my prayer that everyone here has come to a place of trusting you as Lord and Savior and receiving you as their Savior. But I'm, I'm, I'm well aware that there may be those here this morning who have, who have never done that. Maybe they, they know that they should. Maybe they know that's how to be saved. But for some reason, they put it off. Lord, I remember the night that you so convicted me and I, I was afraid I was going to die and go to hell. And I prayed, Lord, let me live till tomorrow night services and I'll go to the altar. And it's, it's just a lesson I needed to learn. I guess I could have, went, could have got saved right then, but I, I needed to experience that. I, I imagine because I didn't, didn't even dawn on me till the next night. The message was preached. I have no idea what it was said, but I knew that I, I was lost. And I was, if I died, I was going to hell. But I knew you had made a way for me to not go to hell, but to have eternal life with you in heaven. And not only eternal life there, but life abundantly here. And that night I fell on my knees as a young boy and said, Jesus, save me. Now, Father, it's very, very real and possible that there are those here this morning that need to say, Jesus, I, I know this and I believe this, but I need to act on this. I need to ask you to come in my life. If that's you with the heads bowed and eyes closed, just pray with me. Just say, God, I do believe that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross for my sins, and that if I'll ask you, you'll come in. Lord, I know you wanted to make some changes. And I'm, I'm saying at this point, Lord, do what you need to do in my life. 
I acknowledge my need and you're my only hope salvation come into my heart come into my heart I think some of you are doing that right now that's the cry of your heart Jesus forgive me come into my life there are others this morning I just want you to if, if that's you and you, you, you pray that just to keep praying I won't come right back to you there are others this morning you may be a Christian you may be a believer and God is speaking to you he's spoken to you very clearly and you know that maybe it's about relationships Ephesians says that we're to we're to be tender hearted forgiving one another walking in, in a good relationship with others Romans tells us that we're to be hospitable with others it's God's word and maybe those parts that really get in your grill and confront you with where you are and you don't want to deal with but this morning as we've spent time together the Holy Spirit has been very faithful to convict you and you say I need to I need to agree with God about this man it's I need Lord you're right and I'm wrong why don't you just pray God forgive me where pride or rebellion or sometimes just bullheaded stubbornness has kept me from humbling myself and agreeing with you in your word I want to be a doer of your word and not just to hear deceiving myself so right now Father I'm asking you to forgive me where I fell there and Lord to help me to see this truth that I need to act on what I know is true from you and not just think I know it but to receive it and do it now with their heads bowed and eyes closed if you prayed that prayer this morning either a sinner's prayer that you asked the Lord in your heart or if you prayed this prayer as a believer and saying God I, I, I've been guilty now of stopping my ears and I don't want to do that I need you to forgive me if you prayed that prayer with nobody looking around just raise your hand up and hold it up and I thank you for that others that need to do that and just say God that's me I've been praying I see it I see it Father you see these hands represent hearts and hearts represent people and you're all about people that's who you're about you're about us thank you for loving us now Father as we go from this place may we have a, a glorious afternoon Father as we go home and hear the news of what's happening in Florida with, uh, with Irma and this storm Lord, you're the God of, of all things. Help us to pray knowingly and knowledgeably. Lord, help us that your word would never be regulated to a back burner. It's something that we just know but don't do. In Christ I pray.